that's why nowadays less people going to universities and people just come straight out from uh, from high schools and they start building their own ventures. So that's why I, I, I want my kids to be able to do what they want, but not being framed into certain ways, which is quite difficult being in Hong Kong and being in a very somewhat still traditional way of education. Thank you, Cindy, for joining us. Um, you know, we met, wow, four years ago, I think it was, or about that time. And uh, I obviously know who you are, but uh, could you <laughs> could you tell uh, all, all the folks that will hopefully have an opportunity to get to know you now moving forward? So what do you do, Cindy? And, and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I'm Cindy. So I actually grew up in Hong Kong. Um, I'm now currently working in a nonprofit organization, which is called Chicken Soup Foundation. It's a funny name, but it's also a very catchy name. It basically is from the book, Chicken Soup. So and I'm actually currently the chief incubator. So basically everybody call like chief executive officer, all these kind of roles, but we believe that we are the incubator of different charitable programs. So that's why my title becomes chief incubator. So um, I, I'm just a normal girl, to be honest. <laughs> um, I grew up in Hong Kong, but then actually when I was nine or 10, um, I actually asked my parents, can I go to boarding school huh. in the UK? Okay. Yeah, because this is only one reason why I decided to do that, because I hated Chinese. Mm my worst subject at school was actually Chinese. And I thought like going abroad, then I can completely forget Chinese lessons. <laughs> so that was, you know, when you're nine, you're thinking, okay, if I go somewhere else and I just purely it's English medium of education, perfect. So then at that time, because everybody thinks, okay, oh, going abroad is very expensive. You must come from a very wealthy family. No because basically my dad is the policeman in Hong Kong. Yeah. And during that time, when you're a policeman, the Hong Kong government actually have subsidies, allows their kids to go to boarding school overseas. So that's why I was very fortunate that my parents were able to do that for me. So I was there for um, till I was 17 and then I came back to Hong Kong uh, went to Chinese international school because I couldn't pick up any Chinese because I only had like primary five Chinese. <laughs> I see. So, so then I continue my education in Hong Kong. And then basically now I have two kids. Um, one is turning nine in December is a girl. The older one is turning 11 next March. So it's basically a boy and a girl. And yeah, life has been fun in the past 30 plus years, but um, I'm still learning. Every day is learning for me and I love learning. And that's just me as a person. So um, I like exploring new things. I like challenges and I like building things. Mm. I, like whenever I go into a new company, I always look at things, what they're not doing right. right. And then try to revamp it and that's why I think because before working for chicken soup I actually worked in a German retailer I think the U.S. has it Aldi you know yeah. the supermarket Aldi yeah I was so basically yeah so basically I was there for four years in Hong Kong basically it's a sourcing office so it's very German it's a very good um learning ground for me to build in my patience my detailedness all the one pages I have to write, all this kind of thing. But um, I've, I thought I've never fit in very well because I'm, my boss always said I have, I'm a very creative person mm. and they actually bound me for my creativity. Mm. And it was just, it was not me. A lot of things there I want to unpack, but um, I mean, I'm sorry to pivot and so quickly to a, a concept that's you know different culturally because you grew up in London, uh, mm -hmm. or 
spent a good amount of time there. And obviously you, you spent, you, you started in Hong Kong and then went back. Mm -hmm. But what was your perspective on the German, uh, uh, you know, way of doing things? Uh, I'm curious from an education standpoint. So in order for a company not to take risk, they really test things out, test things out very carefully. So basically, for example, maybe, I don't know, maybe working for a US company, you basically propose something, you just go for it, something like that. But with a German company, it takes like three to six months to actually get an agreement on something. And there are just lots of back and forth of fine tuning the idea to make it perfect. But then because they want to minimize the risk as much as possible. So that's why they have to continue trial and error, trial and error before they actually launch something out. But because of their idea of not wanting to take so much risk, that's the success behind this whole retail yeah. supermarket yeah. Well, around well, the world. They are one of the fastest growing mm, discounter uh, in the world. I see. And they are um, privately owned. Yeah. So, so, so they own Trader Joe's, right? So, yeah. and I don't know if you've seen a Trader Joe's. Have you seen a Trader Joe's? I'm not sure. Okay. There's nothing like this in Hong Kong. There's only, you know, only in Hong Kong, there's only parking shop and welcome. So they have the yeah. two monopolies, so, right? So, so, yeah. so when you joined that, I was wondering, did you move to Germany or were you planning on coming? No, no, no. Yeah. no. So I can tell you when I went to interviewed for this company, I didn't know what it was. Okay. <laughs> so basically the, I, because I got interviewed by the managing director at that point and he was like, oh, have you heard about Aldi? I was like, sorry, no. Because even when I was in the UK studying, I only know Tesco's, Sainsbury's, yeah. Waitrose, right. these kind of like big ones, right? right? But Aldi was never there. Maybe I was in central London. So basically, because in Aldi, the source tends to be a little bit further down the suburbs. That's how they make people drive to get to the source. Mm. But I, I was, I have no idea of what this store is until I start working in it. And the history of this company, it's amazing. To be honest, even though I, I feel out of place within this company, but I still think the business model, it's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. how, how they can work like that. It's, it's basically the philosophy behind it. It's just clean and clean cut. You cannot yeah. release. <clears throat> there's a reason why it's successful. Yeah. No, we, we for so many years, we, we love Trader or uh, so many, especially I think Asians, but people love Trader Joe's here because mm -hmm. uh, when you look at supermarkets around here, Quality and price mm -hmm. are the two main tenants. And then yeah. service has become a third tenant. And so it's like you get those three automatically when you walk into a Trader Joe's. And so, yeah. uh, and there's no pretense about it. You know, it's yeah. like, there's no, it's not like, you know, you, you have this greeter at the front door for the sake of being a greeter. You have a mm -hmm. greeter, that guy or that gal wants to be there. He yeah. or she wants to actually, you know, uh, so it's very, very fascinating. And so my Hawaiian friends always say, why is Trader Joe's not here? Well, it's because obviously Hawaii, you have to import everything. It's just too expensive. Mm. It doesn't make sense business-wise. <clears throat> so um, they have their Costco's, which again, mm -hmm. that, that's the, I would argue it's a different, obviously, model, but it, it is similar uh, in, in the way that they, you know. But you do know that Aldi's 90, I think 90% of those products, it's basically own brand. Right. Only like products that <clears throat> people think they cannot be replaced, like Coca-Cola, these kind of products right. that is so brandedly sink right. into a person, they right. cannot change. Mm. But 90% of the products are own brand and oh. people love it. Interesting. And you see the, why the quality is so good because the amount of testing that they do. Mm. Interesting. And we ensure, they ensure that the price are low, but the quality are good. That's amazing. That's why, that's why that's why it's successful there. yeah no uh you know and you know what, what what this makes makes me think about is how we can do this in education maybe you know yeah all the uh so it was started by aldi nord i'm not sure who nord or if that's a german name or so basically aldi nord it's 
basically it's a, why am I talking about Audi history? Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. So, we're, we're like, we're, uh, no, but let me get this straight. Audi is actually when it first started, it started as a, like a tuck shop. A tuxedo? It, not a tuck shop. It's like, um, it's, it's like, um, a newspaper store that you can, it's like a shop that you can buy a little like groceries uh, thing. It's like a grocery shop Yeah, we, we call that it. was owned. Yeah. So it's owned by a couple hmm. and then basically it's, it becomes bigger and then it passed down to the two sons. Hmm. Once the two sons got the business, they decided to split. Hmm. So that's why there's Aldi Nord. And Aldi Sud. Oh, I see. So that's why Aldi Nord and Aldi Sud is actually two different entities. Oh. So basically, the north side of Europe are Aldi Nord. The south side of Europe is Aldi South. They don't really connect with each other. But now they start, I, I think it's public now that some of them, they are starting to talk more as a family. The, because the older generation, they don't talk, but the, now the younger generation, they start talking and how to collaborate more. I see. That, so it's, it's, it's two different companies. Okay. So that, that actually makes sense because when we talk about Trader Joe's, maybe it's under one versus the other. And so yeah. it's under one. The U.S. one, the U.S. is actually covered by all these. So that makes more sense. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, we, I haven't seen an actual Aldi yet. But I just knew that Trader Joe's was owned by some like, you know, conglomerate or some big retail operation because yeah. everybody always asks, you know, who's it owned by Walmart? Is it owned by Costco? You know, and so, uh, but knowing it's, it's uh, now owned by at least one of the Aldi's is very fast. Yeah. Well, well let, let, yeah. let's bring this back. I mean, for, especially, <laughs> our, especially our listeners who want education, they don't want to hear about corporate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. But, uh, but it is fascinating though, because uh, the way they built the machine, quote unquote, you know, in retail, uh, could be what we do in education, and we'll we'll get there um, in a second. Mm. But 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 more about you because I'd love to understand more about Cindy and and you know about like your parents, for example. Like mm. your father was a police officer. Um, was mm -hmm. your mother a homemaker? Was she? And I hate to say that, but you know, like that's a traditional kind of you know like position for a female in, in, in older generations. I know my mom was, but then again, I'm sorry, mm. my mom actually was the powerhouse in our family. Mm. She's the reason why we're successful. She's the, she was, mm. the, she was the risk taker. So, mm. so I'm curious, you know, tell us a little bit about your parents and how they raised you. So my, both of my parents work. So basically I think I've never seen my mom not working until recently. She just retired. And as you talk about your mom as a powerhouse, I think my mom is also a powerhouse mm -hmm. in the household. Mm -hmm. So my mom, but even though my dad is a police officer, people yeah. think oh, as a police officer, he'll be more dominant and more the scary one at home. But no, my mom is a scary one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically I grew up with both of my parents working. So basically I think before I, was four, I was always been looked after by different people. I think to my memories, I used to be looked after by my grandma. And then when my grandma wasn't able to look after me, then it was neighbors looking after me. So because both of my parents work, so they cannot really take care of me during that time. So until I don't know, I think the US they don't have this called domestic helper. The Filipinos, mm. because Hong Kong is very famous for domestic helpers coming in, like nannies, right? right. So when I was four, then my parents um, hired a domestic helper that helped me, that helped to take care of me. So I think I grew up in a in a place that because both my parents work, so it actually brings it to me that I need to be independent when I grow up. I need to work as well. I don't want to be a housewife that kind of mindset and my everybody says that i have a very similar personality and the way i talk is very similar to my mom mm. it um my mom is very stern assertive confident but she actually she, none of my parents had a um bachelor degree mm. 
So my dad actually, he only had up to like um, year nine mm. of education. And then he went into police school. I see. And my mom was actually just finished her college. And then she went to start working. Oh, okay. But the amazing part is my mom started off as a reception. Like the, those who answer the phones. Yep. In the company. And now she retired, but she was, she was the um, HR and administration director of the same company. Oh, wow. You never see that nowadays mm. because of, you know, the education and normal social norm that you have to have a degree to get to that certain position. Right. But in the olden days, she was able to do that. And I always look up to that. And my parents have always been giving me a lot of freedom when I was younger and because I have such a stubborn personality. <laughs> yes. Um, they, it's, I, I'm not easy to handle. I can tell you, I've never <laughs> been an easy kid to handle. I remember like my dad always say this, like I'm those type of kid that if I want something mm. at a toy shop, mm. they won't buy it. Mm. I'll stand there till they buy it <laughs> and they will leave they will leave the the toy shop You're and i'll start crying <laughs> and then i'll sit on the floor and they they would just leave me there so basically and that's how stubborn i am and but then um because they they give me a lot of freedom so a lot of the times when i make certain decisions they they allow me to do it and i think one of the biggest thing that i've learned from my parent is because when i was when i left for the uk i was the person who made the decision to go to the uk to study i remember i was very homesick and i called my parents and i cried and i cried and i cried and i said i want to come back i don't want to stay here i want to go home and my mom, she looks assertive on the outside, but she's very soft hearted mm. on the inside. Mm. So basically she was like, okay, oh, let's send her back. And my dad was, was be then become the assertive one saying, no, if I let her do it this time, she always fail in her life. Mm. That, that actually helps me to, to what I am right now is that yes, I can give up on a lot of things, but if I give up something so easily, yeah. I'll just keep giving up. Right. So I think um, being, yes, I grew up in a Chinese family mm -hmm. and people think, oh, Chinese family must be very traditional. And yeah, yeah. um, like uh, you have to do certain things in a certain way. But I've never felt like that mm -hmm. in a family like this because I, I, don't know, I think most probably because I, I spent most of my time, my childhood time in, in London. So every time when I come back, it was a holiday. So it really, they don't really hit me very much of being a very traditional yeah. parents. Yeah. But uh, of course my, my, my relatives, they're very traditional, hmm. but with my parents, they, they give me enough space to grow so that right now I'm, I'm very, um, I feel very privileged to be honest, yeah. to grow up in a household like this. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Um, you know, yeah. I don't, I, I really love the story. So, I mean, to be honest, uh, it just, I, I want to literally, you know, talk to you for like hours, but one thing I would like to peel back just a little bit more is, um, your, your mother and your father grew up in what kind of families, because I'm curious as to how that made them so that now they made you, I guess, or it didn't make yeah. you know, created the environment for you. So tell us, tell us maybe just a little bit more about like what kind of families did they grow up in? So my, my mom has um, three other siblings. She's the youngest one. Mm -hmm. And her, both of my uncles are also police officers. And my granddad is also a police officer. Oh, so wow. basically grew up in a very p police family. Yeah, law enforcement. But, um, <clears throat> but my mom is always the cheeky little one 
to to my knowledge from my grandma so <laughs> she always been the one that will can lie without blinking those kind of things right no one can actually notice that she lies um <laughs> okay. but but my dad actually um my dad has nine other siblings so he is actually the second youngest from the others and he actually grew up in a more wealthy family when he was younger and because but the thing is because my granddad gambles a lot he actually lost a lot of money and then basically it changed the entire family mm. completely mm. but then my dad actually has a lot of older sisters which help to look after the younger brothers so he 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 and the most my youngest uncle they always be, also been the the one that gets spoiled the most mm. so i think because both of my parents are the youngest siblings so i think that's why they they have that kind of personalities that they have not that they aren't responsible they're both very responsible individuals but if you look at my aunties and my uncles they're very com they're completely different to what my parents are basically yeah 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 no this is so yeah. fascinating because if if we had more time together i would compare my family to your family. <laughs> and i swear to god there are very consistent uh themes and yeah. the number of uh, siblings and, and all that other stuff. Uh, obviously, we have our own paths to create in the future, so we'll <laughs> we'll see if it all you know turns out similar. But uh, it's very fascinating. Let me ask though. Uh, now, now bringing it back to today. Uh, so you you obviously got the position at all these relatively quickly, even though you had no idea mm -hmm. who they were. Um, you are yeah. now the chief incubator or the CEO of a, a foundation that has a bit of money. I I remember, um, you know, supporting it, meaning it's not some, you know, little rinky dink, you know, nonprofit in, in Hong Kong. It's, it's a relatively uh, strong organization. So you're able to easily transition to that, but it probably helped that you have a decent network. It probably helped that you went to boarding school. And then I think you went to college in, in, uh, the UK or where did you go to school? No, I, I, I actually, I came back to Hong Kong for university. Oh, okay. So basically I, I'm the different one people go to overseas for college right, right. but i i decided to come back so where'd you go there's a reason i so i went to university of hong kong okay so i did my bachelor of business administration in marketing and then and then that's how i started and then my first job was actually a flight attendant oh okay Pacific. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 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 we'll maybe get to the capital specific here in a yeah. second. What people don't know, which I didn't know uh, before I moved to Hong Kong, was University of Hong Kong is considered the, you know, the sole national university of Korea, mm. or it's considered the Harvard of the United States, or, mm -hmm. or the best public institution. But you know, the best public institutions in Asia, I'd argue, sometimes are the best private in some respects. So, uh, tell us. Uh, maybe we're going to get to the boarding school a little bit, if you don't mind here in a second, but mm. tell us a little bit about Hong Kong, uh, university or university of Hong Kong. I always, you know, flip it. I, I don't know what you want to call it. We call it HKU. Right. People call it HKU. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, hmm, how to put it? It's, it's a good university. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think as being a student who actually had overseas exposure and majority of the students there are local students and i don't know whether you know much about i, I think in korea and hong kong style of education are very similar it's very competitive yeah everything is about results results right. and results right so everybody talk about gpas <laughs> every day every day is gpas <laughs> and I, it, 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 was, it was actually quite difficult for me because I went to UK, I came back for international school and international school is very similar to overseas education. It's just in Hong Kong. Um, you see be, everybody being so competitive with each other. Like they, they, it, when they look at you, they're like, oh yeah, I don't care about my results. But you know, when they do exams, you see the amount of like things they study. And if you go into the libraries at midnight, packed it's crazy <laughs> and i i want to skip class 
and people are like you can't skip class all the kind of things and so I basically in my I remember my year one and year two I didn't really care about my grades and then I noticed my GPA was pretty low and then I looked at my I was like damn if I don't study hard I won't graduate right so basically in my final year yeah I worked my ass off Mm. and I pushed up my GPA and everybody was like wow Cindy studying (laughs) (laughs) but it's I think but they they are trying I think the university itself in Hong Kong they because they use English as a medium of teaching so you do see that um people um try to impress the professors and things like that but when it comes to because in university you do a lot of presentations and i do see that the hong kong education that they focus a lot on writing grammar because when you listen to people present and the way they write is completely different so but with me i'm the more outspoken one right so and when you go into class, no one really answer any questions. Mm. So even it's because I now have two masters. So basically I went to um, Hong Kong Baptist University for my two masters. Mm. You thought like, because both of my masters are part-time. So everybody actually works mm. to go to school. Right. You thought like if you have worked, you should have more confidence and you'll be more outspoken, but no. It's, dead silence when the professors ask questions and I'm the one who actually constantly speak out and I become I became the one that everybody oh ask Cindy yes Cindy's going to speak first so that kind of um like labeling Mm. on me Mm. I think it's because of the education in Hong Kong that they're so used to being very obeying to the teachers you have to raise your hands when you speak you cannot answer back to your teacher you have to be polite and all that kind of things and that's still the same Mm. i don't think it has changed much since back in my days and and that's that's the experience i have in university so basically i don't if you look if i look back i don't have a lot of close friends Uh, in university huh still now yeah Really? Uh, maybe maybe it's my personality as well so i don't i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well, well well uh you said you're uh to me at least uh but we can tell the audience if, if you didn't say it um but you're an introvert so why why were you you know speaking up all the time with the questions because something was you know firing you up like something you know like was there a need to uh you know tell me a little bit of the psychology behind that basically I'm an introvert when it comes to strangers. And basically, if I don't feel comfortable in an, env- in an environment, I tend to stay behind the scene a little bit. I don't like to be the center of attention. But however, when it comes to classes, is that I get frustrated when, when the professor asks a question, dead silence for two minutes, why? <laughs> and I also get frustrated when, for example, when you do presentations, right? There's always Q and A at the end. Right. And when your audience asks you a question, you should be able to answer immediately. Mm-hmm. But no, they look at each other, waiting for someone to answer. <laughs> and I get really um, not angry, but I get really like frustrated. Like, why, why, why you guys not answer? And then I speak up. I always, I want to give them a chance to speak up, but they don't, because if they don't, then it just look completely awkward. Right. It's not professional. Right. So that's why, like, I think it's the frustration that mm-hmm. caused me to, to speak out and speak up. And I don't want the professor to feel like, Oh God, it's another class, which is basically right. no one answer. Um, yeah. And I think, it, especially when you do a master, it's not bachelor degree anymore you should have that experience and knowledge behind it that you can answer a lot of the questions and create a discussion. A discussion without anybody talking is not a discussion. Exactly. So that's why I think, yeah, that's 
I think it's a frustration. That makes that makes a lot of sense. But you also you you, you actually uh, help me understand another reason is you have empathy for your professor. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I have the same problem as you do. I mean, I don't know if maybe we shouldn't call it a problem. Actually, we're trying to make the class better, right? And so, um, yeah, I have the same empathy because why is the professor asking a question to, to silence? Because then, then it isn't a conversation. It's it's a, a unilateral, if that's the right term. You know, it's like a, a one directional uh, conversation, which is not good for learning. So that's fascinating. Um, well, let me, God, there's so many great questions, I think, to ask you. I mean, as I learn more and more. Um, so, you know, the audience obviously does not know that we, we have known each other for years. And we've you yeah. know, kept in contact. You know, it's not like we've been totally silent with one another. So, yeah. so we do know uh, about one another. But still, some of these uh, revealing, you know, details are just, mm. just completely fascinating to me from so many different angles. But uh, <sighs> So let's, let's one more, you know, like rolling back is, is your boarding school. Um, I'd love to talk about that. And then your experience when, you know, crossed over to, did you say Chinese international school? Did you go to CIS or where did you go? I went to CIS. So, I, yeah, I mean, briefly, I've taught a lot of those students at CIS, which are, they're a very mm -hmm. interesting group to me, uh, including uh, one of the, probably the richest guy's granddaughter uh, in, mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember yeah what his name is but uh but I had no idea she was his granddaughter because mm -hmm. obviously uh that school or uh Hong Kong International or what was it Hong Kong is it Hong Kong International I can't remember HKIS yeah, yeah HKIS so you have, you have various international schools which have the elite of Hong Kong if not the world mm -hmm. in their yeah. you know student body and so it, it didn't matter ultimately but it was just still mm -hmm. fascinating because like other students would ask me teacher, do you know who that girl is? And then I'm just like, no, should I care? And then they're like, she's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Let me Google that. <laughs> you know. And so when I find out, oh, that's him or that's her. <laughs> like, you know? And so it, it, it is fascinating. But at the same time, you know, as a teacher, you don't want to treat anybody differently. Right. And so yeah. uh, actually, <laughs> hopefully this doesn't get put well. I won't say. There, 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 there's just, yeah. you know, there's just there's too much uh, fun stuff to, to know as a teacher. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about your boarding school experience. Um, maybe some mm -hmm. of the cons, because I mean, you went there on your own volition, which is actually, mm. you know, but and you stuck it out because of your father, you know, which you know, your father said, yep. let's keep going. Mm. And you came back. And so uh, educationally, how did that impact you? Okay. So I was the only Chinese girl in my year when I went to UK. So I went to a very traditional girls Christian school. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being in a Hong Kong student day school, you go home every day to being completely locked up <laughs> in a boarding house, very disciplined. Um, but actually having no Chinese people in my year for at least the first three years was very beneficial to me. That's how I learned my English. That's how I got an accent, which is not Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> so because, because I think when I was held 14, that's when the the students from Hong Kong start coming in mm. and that's when they start ganging, not ganging, they, they bond together. Mm. And that's why you see a lot of um, Chinese, uh, Chinese people, Hong Kong girls or, or students that they went to boarding school or overseas, not being an international school from a local school, go to uh, overseas education. They come back, the English is still a little bit, um, you can hear it. There's a Chinese accent in it. Yeah. And, and, but I wasn't getting along very well with the Chinese students at that time. Oh. Because I always hang around with the, the white, the white girls. And they always think like, oh, Cindy is pretending she's not Chinese or that kind of thing. But to me, I'm like, like I came here for, overseas education experience why do I have to hang around with you guys 
I'm not in Hong Kong. So, so basically I kind of got bullied quite a lot by the Chinese girls at that time. But um, I gained really good friends during my school years in the UK. And um, boarding school has actually taught me a lot in terms of independency, um, being responsible for yourself, um, how to really take care of yourself when you're sick, when no one's around you, how do you deal with problems? Which I think a lot of kids these days, they don't know how, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Because no, it's true because they're so protected by their parents. But I think um, even for my kids, I would love to send them to boarding school because it's an education of a lifetime that you would never get elsewhere. So um, actually after my GCSE, I changed school to another um, uh, another mixed school mm. in Upper London. Um, I went into I don't know it's because of a transitional of schools, but I actually had depression and anorexia. So I lost tons of weight. Mm. As you as you know me, I'm quite skinny as a person, but I'm actually. I, my lowest was like 93 pounds and I'm five foot seven. So can you imagine that? So that's why I came back to Hong Kong. Oh. Not because it's not because I want to come back to Hong Kong. I see. It's because my health issues. Mm. That's why I have to come back to Hong Kong. And then at that point, when I came back to Hong Kong, my mom went into a panic because I couldn't get into a normal local school. Right. So I have to, find different international school that will take me mm. as an um, interim student. So luckily, I got into one of the best international schools in Hong yeah. Kong, yeah. which is CIS. Yeah. Um, it's very different. I can tell you, um, being international school uh, overseas is, is not, uh, the, in terms of education, it, the way of teaching, it's similar, but students, are are very different mm. because even though like in in uk a lot of my friends their families are very wealthy because i go to a private school and private school in uk are expensive yeah but they're not saying the international school students are not down to earth yeah but it's very different mm. because in hong kong being growing up in a wealthy family what i see is that um you have drivers, mm. you live in big houses, mm. you very privileged, basically. Mm. And that's why it brings me back to how I see when I would like to send my kids to either an international school or boarding school. For international school, I don't want to send my kids until they understand the importance of values because it's so easy for kids when they don't understand the meaning of values, money concept, it's so easy for them to make comparison. Sure. And I don't want that mm. in them. Mm. So even though if, because when I came back to Hong Kong, I was 16. So I already had that concept in mind that, you know, if they are rich people, they're less than middle class, they're upper class and they're blue collar, right? And because I have that, so I understand. But if I send my kids when they were there three years old and I'm not that type of family that, that they might, the friends that they might hang out with, then they might come back and say, mommy, why don't I have a staircase in my home? Why don't I have a driver in my home? Like these kind of things. I don't want that for my kids. Mm. So that's why my, both of my kids are currently going to local schools. Mm. And, and, but you know, I, I, I'm really thankful to the education that I've got because what I see myself being different to other people is high likely because of my education upbringing that I've got and, and, in the years. And you talk about your kids. Um, are you happy with their education right now? Because I mean, you have a totally different perspective. Um, you know, we didn't talk about your husband, which, you know, yeah. I, I wish we had more time, but um what's your satisfaction level of, of their educational experience so far? 
I tried to find a less traditional school for them already, but still local, because uh, I want them to have a good um, Chinese background. Because I think being a Chinese, if you don't know Chinese, it's kind of sad and bad. Isn't that, so isn't that ironic? It, it, <laughs> 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 I know. Um, but, you know, um, satisfaction level, mm, if 10 is the highest mark, I'll put like five or six. What, 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 what can you do um, as a parent in Hong Kong to help your children get from five to six to seven or eight? I mean, I, I, I asked this because I, you know, I had a similar feeling with my own boys, um, even though they went to one of the best uh, public yeah. schools in, in the Seattle area. I still was frustrated because actually, uh, ironically, I was frustrated because they were too pampered. I was actually shocked at how pampered uh, a public school could treat their kids because I felt like, no, 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 no. They need to actually fall down. They need to learn on their own. They need to actually have confusion because once they go to college or they go out to the real world, they're, they're not going to be as prepared. So I was actually a little too worried that the school wasn't doing that. But then I look back on it and I say, oh, wow, it was actually a really, really good school. Like these teachers really cared and all that. So but back to you. What, what can we I, I think the school itself is a good school. Like you don't really focus on results. That's a pretty good thing compared to a lot of local school in, in Hong Kong. Um, but still, I think it's too, it's too, too spoon feed in a way. I don't like spoon, spoon feed education. It's still, it's still somewhat very traditional when it comes to learning certain subjects. Like, um, you have to memorize a lot of things and you have to memorize your grammar. You it's lots of worksheets during grammar, 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 grammar. And even though the school is trying so hard to allow the students to think creatively, but there's not an, it's, it's just the education bureau in Hong Kong not allowing that for them to do that because it's a half subsidized school by the government and half is privately funded. So they already, they already have the freedom to do certain syllabus differently to a completely public school but still there there are lots of things that I, I wish that they allow them to make mistakes and you're not allowed to do that and and it, and also because <laughs> I think because also the parents <laughs> in in the school they're very protective mm. which kinds of make it frustration, make it frustrated for me that I always see myself as quite different in terms of in, in comparison to other parents sure. that I need to interact. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm a little bit younger than other parents of my kids' friends. So my, my teaching style, it's quite free mm. style. Mm -hmm. And I let them do the homework and as long as they complete the homework if they make mistakes, they make mistakes. Mm -hmm. If they come back with a test, which is basically failed or got like a 70% mark, I basically tell them, okay, why is it because you don't know it? It's just all silly mistakes. Mm. Like mistakes that you know, when you, when they study, they know it. Yeah. It's just when they, but I always think like not every kid are exams materials. Right. And you don't judge a kid being successful or not by how well they complete the exams right. or tests. Right. Right. So that's why I don't, but you know, that's the reality. That's the world, right? If you want to get into a good uni, you have to do well in your exams. Yeah. But I think, but that's why nowadays, less people going to universities and people just come straight out from, uh, from high schools and they start building their own ventures. Yeah. So I, you know, you know, so that's why I, I, I want my kids to be able to do what they want, Yeah. but not being 
framed into certain ways, which is quite difficult being in Hong Kong and being in a very somewhat still traditional way of education. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is one small path uh, that my young, younger twin has pursued, which you know is also an option, which is the K-pop industry. Or uh... <laughs> really? So yeah. So you know. Which it's... group? BTS. <laughs> <laughs> no, his his band will not be debuting until next year, I think, or the year after. Uh, his the company uh, released uh, several well-known bands, but not. Is it YG or? No, or it's not YG or or uh, JYP, but it's like number five or six or something like okay. that. It's like right behind them. Uh, okay. But despite that, I mean, regardless, the point is that I think kids do have those different options these days. You said they launch ventures. Well, maybe they, yeah. you know, go into entertainment. You know, I'm in, I'm in the Hollywood, you know, I'm in Hollywood. So I, 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 yeah. I can see the opportunities here. But at the same time, that's, that's more risky as, you, you know, we talk yeah. about risk versus no risk. Yeah. Uh, well, this is so amazing. I, I, I actually, there's a lot of other questions I wanted to ask, but I looked at the clock and I was like, oh God, it's already you know, coming to an end. But, but uh, uh, it made me think a little bit, like, I, I mean, I'm so appreciative of your time today, but uh, I'm thinking, you know, if we can, maybe we should have like a round table, you know, with, with other mothers or, or maybe yeah. other fathers even. I don't know, but guys don't seem to talk for some reason when it comes to education. Uh, but that's another uh, side, you know, or whatever. But, uh, but maybe we'll do that. So I, I'd love to have you back. So I, I'm just gonna, yeah. you know, throw that out there. But we do need to wrap up with a couple of these questions that I call the five Q's. Um, so yeah. the other of my kids actually uh, relabeled this. We used to call it the lightning round. So we used yeah. to make you, you have to answer these in one word, but no more, no more. You can, <laughs> you, you can, you can answer it with whatever, you know, number of words yeah. that you feel is important. But here, we're gonna start with the first one, if you don't mind. Uh, and I think I know the answer, but you know, we'll see if you surprise. You think really? We'll see. But uh, <laughs> so, who's your hero? My dad. So I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I told you. My dad. I, to be honest, I think a lot of people like will have like famous people names and things like that, right? But I think deep, deep down, to me, my dad has always been a hero to me because he, he's there whenever I need him. And he would drop, I know he would drop whatever he's doing when there's something wrong with me. Because I can tell you, I've, I'm not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been through a lot throughout life. Like, though I'm not old, but couple of years back I was actually in severe depression so that was the time that I was in the darkest place of my 30 plus years life and my dad was just there all the time and how like yes you can have a husband who can love you but you know no parents like like can give you that much of unconditional love I think that's that's the biggest hero for me. Does does he speak uh, uh, English? Not really well. So I'm gonna ask you a favor for you, hopefully. Um, but can you speak to him in Chinese right now, in case this ever gets, uh, you know, like he gets to hear this? Like, what what would you want to tell your dad? Um, you know, answering the same exact question because I mean, I think hopefully he'll get to hear it. I mean, I don't know if you ever. He, he understands it. I can wait. I can translate to him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but, but I'm going to just put you on the spot. Like in Chinese, I'm curious because I don't even yeah. know uh, Chinese personally. But what would you say to him in a few sentences uh, about this? Like, uh, you know, I, I know what I would say and I'd give you a completely different answer. But what would you say to your dad in Chinese? You want me to say in Chinese? Okay. Please. please. Uh, uh, oh. 感恩有你呢個爸爸,因為其實由細到大好多嘢可能我係一個好硬頸,非常之難教嘅個女,但係你都好俾心機,好用力同埋真係無限無限嘅愛,所以我好好感恩有你呢個爸爸。
them. <laughs> what, 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 did you, what did you say? Sorry. I just said, like, I truly appreciate, thankful, blessed to have a father like you. Um, I'm not a easy girl to bring up. I know I have my stubbornness. I can be difficult to handle, but you always be there and always show your love no matter what I do and basically support me for every decision I make. So yeah. That was beautiful. That was yeah. beautiful. That was beautiful. Um, yeah. um, the next question is uh, who's your uh, opinion or what's your opinion on uh, who's a great role model? Uh, out in society? <sighs> this one is so difficult to oh, I answer. No, I know it is. Uh, and so that's because why. Because right now, I really don't see one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that can be your answer if you feel like there's nobody. Well, because, who... yeah, I, I, I thought about, like, in the past, I thought about, like, um, like Richard Branson, you know, Musk, these kind of, like, really famous people, right? But I think because the world is so right now like I don't think anyone is really doing like a lot of good things to the world <laughs> right now so I, re I, I tried when I, when I when you showed me this question yeah I, I couldn't think of one because I was like who, who who I really look up to right now and if I have to, if it's not society-wise or like anybody famous, I, I would like to say like majority of the women right now that I really admire and envy because women nowadays, they really have a voice. And they're really standing up uh, for themselves. And they're not afraid to be dominated by men. Mm. which basically in the olden society, basically men get higher paid, yeah. they get better jobs, all these things, right? Hollywood always talk about that. Right. But I think nowadays the diversity that a lot of companies are working on and how we women are just being so brave and really showing how smart we are, how different we can be, I think we women are just role models for people Yeah, that I want the younger generation to really see that like we are different now. We're not the same anymore. We don't need to be weak. Yeah. We can be strong yeah. as we can be basically in equal yeah. with men, not higher, but at least in equal. Yeah. No, I, I, that, that's a beautiful answer. That's, uh, that's, I, I, I don't know what to say because I mean, my mom is my hero uh, and she's also my role model. So she would be the yeah. answer for both just because, yeah. uh, and she doesn't know. And she, you know, she, she probably doesn't care, uh, so, <laughs> you know, but at the same time she is. So that, that was great. All right. Awesome. Uh, the next question is one of uh, the more important questions. So not to put mm -hmm. pressure on you, but it's just, it's just an important question because I feel like it can help generations and generations of, of future uh, listeners, um, we, you just, you hit it actually Two you said two years ago, you went through a very, very tough time and mm. I, I'll, I'll confess. And I think I have a few times on the show, but I've also had depression many times over the years. Mm. So I relate. And, uh, last year, 2019 was actually the worst year probably because I'm, I was 48 mm. years old and I'm mm. still depressed. And I'm like, how can that be? But it was because my uh, magnum opus, like the most important project I ever wanted to launch failed, or at least it failed mm. the first time. Mm. So uh, fortunately I didn't give up and we, we're doing well now, but that's tough. I mean, I can't even mm. imagine what you went through, but what did you do? How did you get out of it? What can you do as a struggling, you know, CEO or struggling, uh, you know, salary person or struggling student or even a kid, you know, maybe a 12 year old still struggling, you know, what do these people need to do? I know that those are four different, you know, uh, personas, but what do you do? I mean, there's so many that we, you and I, we're, we're strong, but we struggle. Mm. We couldn't figure it out. So what can we now help now that we are more happy 
now we're in a position to give that advice. What can you give to them in terms of that question? This is, this is actually a very difficult question because I always ask myself, like, how did I get out from that? I don't, to be honest, sometimes I don't think I have ever got out completely because you always go back to the downside. And what every time right now is always say, it's so easy to focus on the negative things because they're just there. And we just keep pulling you down, pulling you down. And, and then when you focus so much on the negative things, you forgot to flip to the outside and think, how can this become positive? So I always remind myself that, okay, even though the situation looks completely, utterly bad, you don't know how to fix it. But I always think, okay, they might be way out. If we flip it to the other side and think, oh, what if this actually can work? Or what if this situation is not as bad as I think? That actually helped me a little bit to come out at least a little bit. Because if you just continuously focusing on the negative energy and focus on the, um, the situation being so bad, you're always being stuck in that area. And we need to know how to fall down and get back up all the time. Because if you don't do that, your life will be a mess. And, and recently I've been learning something. Um, I've been learning of how to love myself. <clears throat> Self-love. It's so hard to do, to be honest, it's because like sometimes being loving yourself can create selfish decisions, right? Yeah. But because I'm those type of personality that I care about others more than myself. And probably that's one of the reasons why I fall into that trap of depression because I have hidden so much inside me that I put so much care out, but neglecting my own feelings. That's why it just boom, like a volcano explosion, right? right? In order for not doing that again, I need to know how to be selfish. It sounds not good, but if you know how to love yourself first, mm -hmm. then you know how to love others. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't even know how to love yourself, no matter how much care you show to other people, means nothing because you're neglecting yourself so i think for anybody who's failing right now um first look at the positive side there's always a light at the end of the tunnel yes though like of course i want to be a billion a millionaire right but you know be realistic come back to the reality think of the things that actually realistically can happen and just find ways to to know to learn about yourself what the what things that you can make it better what things you know that it's um it will take time don't rush it you cannot rush anything be patient and it will eventually heal time will heal you and yeah and loving yourself it's something that i would definitely give to anybody because that that's just so important uh yeah that's Great. that's my answer to that's, this that's a that's a wonderful answer by the way so <laughs> yeah. I, I the both your answers uh for this and also the role model question were i don't want to say i'm not trying to say that other people are worse or better in terms of their answers but yours are very real they were not yeah. they were not you know to the other thing is, is when I ask these questions, I don't expect to have uh, the pure solution, right? These are just opinions as far as yeah. what they are. So, but we're always put in this position where we think we have to give the actual answer, but it's not true. You don't have to solve it. You don't have to actually give the best answer, but I, I would argue you just have to give a, a real answer, which I think is closer to what you said versus maybe 
which I, I, I'm sorry to my past guests because they, they, I think they know that, but at the same time, they feel a little pressure to give a distinct mm. concrete answer. It's like, you mm. have to give this person's name or you have to give some historical individual or maybe naturally if they just do. So it's fine. Mm. But I, I really think those were wonderful uh, answers. And then your dad obviously is, uh, uh, sounds like an incredible soul. The, the last two questions are pretty easy, so we don't have to go deep on this. Mm. Uh, so the next one is, what's your favorite food? <laughs> My favorite food is actually, I don't, that's a difficult answer for okay, me. Okay, maybe, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, I, because I don't really eat a lot of things. Oh. That, yeah. That's why you're so thin. Yeah, yeah that's why. <laughs> I like bread. Mm. Like bread. Good bread. Like what kind of bread, though? Like any bread. Bread with butter. It can basically give me all day, and I'm good. Really? You can eat a yeah all day bread with and butter. Bread. <laughs> yeah, bread and butter. Bread and butter. Well, that yeah. that's. Oh, apple crumble. I like apple crumble. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. yeah. I just just wanted to give the the listeners a chance to. You know, see a little different side of you. Uh, I have a, a funny anecdote about something like that, but we'll we'll share that maybe in the future. Yeah. Okay, and last question: What makes you unique? Like in our world, we're always making ourselves um, trying, to, or we're trying to be unique, right? Because you have to you have to give a value proposition to every recruiter. You know this on the other side, right? you know, you're always trying to say why you're different from the, the other candidate that just interviewed, right? So what makes you unique or what's an interesting, you know, like factoid about, you know, Cindy Chow? Um, my BMI is very, very low. <laughs> 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 but, but I'm super strong. Yeah. So my, tell, tell the yeah. audience what BMI is just in case they don't know what that is. Body mass index. So basically it's basically, it's, I think it's, it's the calculation with your weight and your height, right? So I'm, so basically you guys can calculate it. So I'm five, I'm 171 centimeters. I'm only 46 kilograms. Oh. So my BMI is like 12 or 13 or something like that. Sure. <laughs> so, but, but still, you're as strong as your dad in terms of the... BMI. So I, but I can carry a lot of heavy things. <laughs> so basically, I can tell, I can tell everybody one thing. You're thin. It doesn't mean you're weak. And people say, and also one interesting thing is people say when I don't smile, I have, can I swear in this? <laughs> I have a I have a, a bitch face. Oh, okay. When I don't smile, I have a very like sulky like bitch face. Really? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a cocky type of girl. Interesting. But people who know me know me. Yeah. I'm like a clown. <laughs> I make people laugh. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a very, very diverse, that very like yeah. North and South pole kind of, kind yeah. of, um, angle. So yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's weird, but I'm actually a very, very, um, I can be very funny if I want to be. So yeah. there's a lot of color to you. So yeah, I, I'm, a, I, I'm, I, when it comes to fashion as well, I'm very diversified as well. Mm. So I can be very sporty, elegant, casual, uh girly boyish <laughs> and i i like no because i think you have to experiment sure sure That's mix cool. and match and yeah. there's no one style fits all mm. 
So that's my <laughs> philosophy all the time. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, so that wraps it up. But um, I, I do want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. This was a wonderful conversation. Um, but other people might be fascinated to, as to who you are. They might want to reach out to maybe even, um, you know, donate to Chicken Soup Foundation and whatever. So how do people reach you if they need to get in touch with you um, for more interviews, for donations, or just, you know, just say hello? They can email me at uh, cindy at chickensoupfoundation.org or they can find me on LinkedIn. So it's basically is Cindy Chow. You should see a pretty face <laughs> on it. <laughs> Sounds, so, good. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, thank you again. Thanks for joining us here on Educate. We sincerely appreciate you spending some time and listening to our show. Hopefully you enjoy and we would always appreciate a little review here at the bottom. And on top of that, if you don't mind, subscribe and hope uh, to have you listen to more great episodes we want to share with you examining the focus of education. Thanks again. Look forward to seeing you back here on the show.